0: From the Allen Media Worldwide Headquarters Studios high atop two Turtle Creek, this is Deconstructing Dallas. Greetings, everyone. It's your host, Ryan Trimble. Joined today by a man who deserves a pat on the back.
1: He, of course, Sean P. Williams. Sean, good day, sir. Good day, Ryan Trimble. You know doing the best we can to adhere to podcast etiquette we try to record evergreen episodes and so we don't always necessarily identify when we're recording but today i would be remiss if i did not recognize that we were recording on veterans day and we would like to thank and remember all those who have served this nation and uh, just give a special special uh, shout out of gratitude to all other veterans.
0: I, I saw your, your Twitter post today about your, your grandfather. That was cool, Sean. Yeah, I
1: wish I had posted the front and back, and I think I, I will probably post the back of that card and probably do both to Facebook. But during some research on Ancestry, I did come across the World War I draft card for my grandfather, Clive Sutton Senior. And his son Clyde Sutton Jr., my uncle, served in World War II. So, uh, and I have uncles who served too. It's really—I was really grateful to be able to come across that piece of history from my my grandfather.
0: Yeah, it was it was was cool to see. I'm glad you did some research online, um, like I have before. Uh, My grandfather served in Korea. Actually, he was on POW ships, and so. I remember getting to interview him. I wish I could find the old cassette that mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. interviewed on, uh, but yeah, just really cool to hear. And then, uh, my father-in-law is also a veteran. So, um, anyway, thank you to all the veterans out there. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody's taking care, taking care of the veterans today, um, and every day. And speaking of taking care of people, Sean, we had a good, Good day at City Hall this week.
1: Yeah, it was exciting. We've been working for the last few months with Village MD, who is looking to co-locate medical facilities, namely uh, co-locate primary care facilities in Walgreens. And so they were seeking to be nominated by the city of Dallas to participate as a Texas Enterprise project. And they had three locations that they had nominated for that, and uh, they announced plans to uh, be in 17 total Walgreens locations. And so it was very exciting to work with you, work with our, um, our client, Andrew Crook, and see that the Dallas City Council did nominate Village MD uh, as a Texas Enterprise Zone project.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really cool project. And our our friend Maria Huckius at the Dallas Morning News has uh, written about it twice now. She wrote about it before the vote and then yesterday after the vote. And um, well, I know we've uh, shared the link on our Twitter feeds, but we'll have to uh, pop it perhaps in the show notes here. But Village MD, really cool concept. They take about 3,000 square feet out of a Walgreens location, build out a Primary care, phys- uh, uh, primary care physician space with about seven or eight uh, examination rooms. And uh, it's just a really cool concept. They've got doctors that they bring in to medically underserved. and It's so interesting. I mean, there's so many people that won't go to the doctor because it's just not convenient. And this really takes out, you know, adds this level of convenience that, that people need. You know, you can drive right up. Walk in, be seen by a doctor from your community that you trust, and, and and you know take care of your yourself, and um, uh, you know, just such an exciting project. And you know, I just I just applaud you, sir, for your leadership on this issue.
1: Well, I applaud you. Uh, we never get tired of applauding one another, but I'm uh, excited about this because, as you said, not only is it convenient, and not only are they bringing you know, medical facilities, 50% of which they've committed to underserved areas and underserved markets um, across the city, but also for the jobs that are being created. These are, you know, really exciting, you know, good paying jobs for folks. Each one of these facilities will have at least 17 direct Village MD jobs besides the other jobs that they will uh, spur through uh, couriers and through um construction costs and things like that. But you know, each one of these facilities will have an average of a hundred thousand dollar salaries for the people who are working there. And you know, some of those jobs are entry level jobs. And we, they're looking at between $15 and $20 an hour for those jobs um, that will be medical assistance and have the opportunity to move up within the company when they start at that entry level and then they'll have doctors as well. And so uh, it's it's also a huge, which is why this was before the economic development committee last week with chairman Tanell Atkins. And I know he was excited about this project as well as some of his other colleagues, but this really is um, not only great for healthcare, but also great for economic development, great for jobs.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a huge win. And, and like you said, a lot of these um, are going into underserved communities and, you know, an important part for us was to make sure that a lot of these went into Southern Dallas. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's just really cool. Very fun to work with people that are creative, uh, solutions oriented problem solving type groups like village MD. So, and, you know, um, they're
1: also going to, they have plans to do freestanding clinics as well. And they are looking for other locations that are not, Walgreens that they can also begin to work out of. I believe in, I believe Andrew told the council that they have around 50 clinics spread throughout Houston, at least, you know, are moving towards that. And so, yeah, I think we're, we're really just at the beginning here with Village MD. And I know this fits really well with the work that we do with our social justice practice. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to helping them to serve these communities. So again, kudos to you, kudos to, Andrew Crook, some of the other folks we worked with on this, including Mike Press and Jared Ash. It's just been a really great team effort. And also, you know, it's really um, it's really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to.
0: Yeah. And speaking of uh, people making an impact in the community, we've got a really great guest today to share with our listeners. He, of course, Kurt Hazelbaker, the president and CEO of the YMCA of Metropolitan Dallas.
1: We are very fortunate to work with the Y, and you know almost everybody in Alamedia works with the Y at some point or other. You know, a lot of times we may work in our public relations practice, our public affairs practice, but you know throughout the company, we usually all have an opportunity to do something related to the YMCA um, client, and a lot of that's because they are doing so much great work. They're doing great work all over the city in so many different areas, which is why I've been excited to bring this interview with Kurt to our listeners.
0: Well, let's get right to it right after this quick break. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Stick with us. Constructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, very excited today to be joined by the president and CEO of the uh, the YMCA of Metropolitan Dallas, he, of course, Kurt Hazelbaker. Kurt, welcome to the
2: show. Thank you. It's good to be with y'all.
0: Now, we've got to know you here at Allen Media, of course, but for our listeners who aren't familiar with you... Can you share a little bit about yourself and your story?
2: Yeah, I started with the why. Well, first, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you guys today. I started with the why uh, as a day camp counselor in 1983. So I've been at this for a little while, 38 years. Really didn't know much about the why when I got started. Um, we had moved to Texas. My cousin was a program director at one of our Ys and said, you guys need jobs. So my brother and I, yeah, we need jobs. And Kurt, you're the oldest, so you're going to drive a bus. So I had never driven a bus, never been to camp, and now I'm a bus driver and a day camp counselor. So I tell people that was my first experience in the Y, but I got to experience the first through the eyes of a six-year-old. Because I had that first summer, I had a different group of 10 six-year-olds every week. And the camp was on Lake Louisville. We'd bust the kids out there. And a lot of them had never seen a lake. Some of them never been out of Dallas. And so the camp had canoes and sailboats, archery, horses, and watching these kids who had never got to experience that was really pretty cool to be a part of that. For um, you know, six year old six year old boys is who I had. But anyway, that's kind of where I got started in this, and that led to doing different things with the Y. I left Dallas in 2003 went to Winston-Salem, North Carolina as initially the chief operating officer and became CEO there in 2007. And I got back to Dallas January of 2017 as the CEO here. So be five years and two months. And I got a great gig. I love what I do, work with great people. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, you work at, at a great organization. We're fortunate to work with a lot of those same people. And we work with other great nonprofits and great organizations. But one of the things I really admire about the why is this longevity and, and how long and how it's able to remain relevant, you know, according to what time it's in. And so what, what do you think are the keys for the why being so effective for so long?
2: Yeah, and your point's a good one as far as effectiveness, Sean. We have been around since uh, 1885, um, you know, back then. The Y was, uh, we were downtown, we had one location, we had a reading room, a gym. Cowboys would ride in uh, and uh, pay a quarter to take a bath at the Y. You know, so that, the Y Y met the needs back then, what they were. And I think the, the ability to last so long has been the flexibility to adapt with what's happening on the ground. So, you know, you think about 1885, we've been through two world wars, uh, the Peace Corps started as a from an I, the uh, YMCA World Service. That was the impetus for the Peace Corps to get started. We just adapt to what's going on. You know, with the pandemic, with, with that hit us. Uh, you know, we, we like everybody else had to close. March 16th, we get the notice to close. First day closed is March 17th. Not knowing what's going to happen, but we knew there's people that are going to have to go to work who have kids. Let's take that burden off worrying about what's going to happen to my kids. So we started the emergency child care work that was free to first responders and healthcare workers. Started food distribution. We've been doing some of that and really ramped that up. Gave away computers to kids who couldn't couldn't learn virtually, um, blood drives, about 65 blood drives now. And so it's just the ability to adapt, I think, is one of our strengths that uh, those needs in the community, we're gonna be there to meet them. And you know, the other thing I'd say to your question, Sean, is that we, we have 16 Ys in our system plus two camps. And if you've been to one of our Ys, you've been to one Y, because they, they don't look alike, they don't, the needs in those communities are a heck of a lot different from right. community to community. So Southern Dallas is different than the needs in Waxahachie or Rockwall or Plano but we're meeting those needs, whatever they might be. So I think that's what's we've been able to stick around so long because of that.
0: You know, Kurt, you mentioned that the 16 uh, locations and, and you use the word community a lot. I heard you say that word a lot. Um, you know, earlier this year, I know that you all uh, had the building that housed the Moreland YMCA and Ledbetter. And it was sold to uh, the group for Oak Cliff, a group that we've worked with here at Allen Media and know, uh, t- Taylor and, and, and Xavier and, and those guys. And so, um, you know, I know the organization Oral cliff wanted to make sure that, uh, to respect the history of the Moreland YMCA throughout the process. So how do you feel about the outcome?
2: I, I think it was great. Short answer. It was great, Ryan, that, you know, we made a difficult decision during the pandemic to close three of our Y's and, and one of them being the Moreland Y and uh, I, I don't know how many people know, Moreland has a very rich history in Dallas. It, it was founded in 1930. When you look at who have come through the doors of that Y and spent spent the night at that Y or spent time at the Y, Dr. Doctor Mar- Martin Luther King spent a night at that Y. So it had a very rich history. It moved to the location on Ledbetter in 1970. We bought the land in 70 and it was opened up at 72. And we wanted to keep that rich history alive and the impact the Y was making in the community. And we felt like, as we looked at groups that were interested, 4 Cliff just made so much sense with what they do, where they do it, uh, to partner with them. So they, they have been a phenomenal partner. It's worked out great from their standpoint, I think, when, when I've talked to Taylor. It's worked out great from our standpoint. We partner with them. We'll work with them next summer to do swim lessons uh, there's a nice pool at the moreland y but we're going to keep that moreland history a part of the y we move that name to our oak cliff y it's the moreland family y ymca at oak cliff the history of moreland had been downstairs at the moreland y when we redo the work it'll be when the first thing you see when you walk in the lobby you'll have the history. And that rich heritage, we want to keep that going and the community know to know what the rich heritage is of that. Why? So, very pleased with that partnership. It's worked out great for us. I think Taylor would say the same thing. Uh, I know a couple of their board members have told us from their standpoint it works out great. So, it really ended up being, I think, a win win on what could have been a very difficult uh, situation for the community to accept. Well, Kurt, you talked a little bit about earlier about.
1: Um, the pandemic and how you've responded to that. Also, there were the winter storms earlier this year. That, that seems like a long time ago. <laughs> that was still 2021. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the Catalyst Initiative and just what that's meant for the Why and, and and for the people that you serve?
2: Yeah, uh, I will. We we had a before this. I had a meeting with a, a group, and one of the board members says, "You know, we had 50, we only have 58 days left in 2021." And I was like, "Wow." That doesn't seem like long, but by the same token, man, we can't get out of this year quick enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. But, uh, but Catalyst, Sean, to your question is, it's really the wise way that we meet the needs of the community. We, we, um, we The work we do that really uh, got magnified during the pandemic, we put it underneath the umbrella of Catalyst. So when I told you about the, the meals we've given away, it's over 100,000 meals, over 400,000 pounds of produce, Four hundred and fifty computers, uh, you know, twelve hundred and fifty pints of blood collected. The emergency childcare that all falls under the Catalyst Initiative, but the initiative goes to other branches as well. It's not just a Southern Dallas focus. So, Sean, you talked about the the winter storm, the Snowmageddon thing in February. We opened up um, several of our Ys that had power as warming centers so so much of our communities so many of our communities didn't have heat or electricity our Ys that had heat and electricity we open up people could come in and shower they could charge their phone uh they could blow off steam working out or go play basketball in the gym it really worked out great so that the Y could stand up and do that so catalyst uh, the needs in the different communities under catalyst the branch defines what those needs are and then tries to meet those Two examples I'll give you, Frisco and Plano, I was up at those two wives in the last couple of weeks. They have given, a, collected and given away uh, over a 1,000 pounds of clothes each, working with runaway, teen runaway shelters, where we've collected the members in the clothes or staff brings in the clothes, and we take that to these shelters. Well, those are needs in those two communities that we've got a lot of people coming through our doors. How can... The members help the community and it works out well. It's just the the Y can be a convener and a catalyst underneath the initiative to uh, meet those needs. This
1: is Deconstructing Dallas. We are talking to Kurt Hazelbaker, president and CEO of Metropolitan Dallas YMCA. When we come back, we're going to talk about the turkey trot, see how we might all be able to get involved in that. So hang with us through the break. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We'll be right back right after this.
0: Welcome back. Deconstructing Dallas. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, joined today by Kurt Hazelbaker. He, of course, the head of the Metropolitan Dallas YMCA. Kurt, we were talking. Uh, you'd mentioned before the break about uh, your swim lessons, and I know that the Dallas Y has a new goal to eliminate childhood drowning North Texas. But what was the motivation for you and the Y in Dallas to take this on as a priority for the organization?
2: Yeah, we had been doing a program called Safety Around Water, Ryan, for years. And, and Safety Around Water is a apartment swim during the summer. Our staff go out to apartments um, in predominantly Hispanic or African-American communities. We go there for a week. Uh, we provide swimsuits. And the goal is if a kid falls in the water, they can get on their back and swim to their side. And we had been doing that and doing it well and about 3,300, 3,500 kids over the summer. And a couple of years ago, reading the morning news, it seemed like every week there was a drowning. And there was, and a lot of times there'd be a drowning where a kid went in and then a second drowning when an adult went in to get the kid. Neither one of them could swim. And they, you had two drownings. And so what had struck me as we we have 18 pools. The Dallas Y owns 18 pools. And we're doing a summertime program. (laughs) we should make this a bigger goal. So we went through a strategic planning process. We did a feasibility study and talked to different people. And our goal is to eliminate childhood drowning for kids four and under. It's the second leading cause of death next to birth defects. And it's the silent killer. People think that, you know, if my kid's in the pool, I'm going to hear them splashing around and I'll know something's wrong. And it just doesn't work that way. But the 88% of the kids that drown are within 15 feet of a parent and they just go under and it's where, where did Sean go? Uh, and that's the reality. So we said we can do something about that. So we have a goal to raise a half million dollars to make this a year round program to partner with school districts. DISD has talked about bringing three elementary schools to our park South y, where we teach their kids for a week. The goal is to raise a half million. We have raised 250000 of that to this point. So it's just something from a community perspective we should do. We should step up and say, we're just not going to put up with this. This is preventable. We can do something, and we're the right one to do it. So we'll do it with others. We don't want to do it just by ourselves. The Fort Worth and Arlington wise have made this commitment. We'll look to partner with anybody who's got a pool, school system, cities, whatever it might be. We all should own this. The this, well, I can make it as an initiative, but we all need to own this.
1: It's great. Well, we appreciate that effort. And um, also, we appreciate that the turkey trot is back. Uh, it's going to be in person this year with virtual options if people prefer that. And this is the 54th annual turkey trot. So I ask you, Kurt, about this tradition. You know, what can folks expect this year
2: and, and what are you looking forward to? Well, I am most looking forward to getting people back together again. You know, it, to just there's, there's an energy about the trot that there's music, there's fun. It's a family event where uh, I may run or my whole family might run. People bring their dogs. You know, through yesterday, 270 dogs are signed up, 7,300 <laughs> rent runners signed up. Um, so it's a fun event. There's a lot going on, a lot of food giveaways, then it'll be safe. You know, we're, we're spreading people out in the, the starting line. We've got two different times to start. Uh, encourage people to wear masks until the run starts. Take them off, but, but have a good time. For so long, and, and Sean, you said this is the 54th annual. For so many people, this is the way they start Thanksgiving Day. They yeah. run the trot, they go home and eat, and they watch the cowboys. And we have been a part of that tradition for so long. Having to cancel that run last year was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, Uh, but to get it back in in person again with the virtual option is just something we're all looking forward to. We're all excited about. Well, that
0: that's exciting, and and uh, and look forward to to that being a big event for y'all. You know, Kurt, as we're sitting here, I'm seeing the Y logo, and I'm feeling nostalgic, thinking back to when. My mom used to take me with her when she would uh, teach jazzercise at our local Y growing up. And, um, you know, leg warmers aside, I know that a lot of other folks uh, share the nostalgia and good feelings for the Y. So, um, you know, but we've got a lot more Texans and a lot more folks moving here. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about the, the Y's future plans for growth, especially, you know, like I said, as our community continues to
2: grow. Yeah, and we we recognize uh, Ryan that we've got to we've got to grow to remain relevant. As Dallas continues to get bigger, we have to say how can we get out and meet different needs in different communities. So a couple of ways we're doing that: um, uh, the city of Midlothian, way down south, passed a bond in May. They have wanted to wife for a long time to the point they put a bond election up for a rec facility that um, got approved. That will be the Midlothian YMCA. They will build, we will operate. So there's an area that we're looking at. We have talked to other communities about partnering with them to provide different programming. Royce City an example out east that will do their youth sports programs. Um, Salina, Prosper have expressed interest in us trying to do something with them. So we're really looking to see where these areas are. How do we get in early? So as these communities grow, we're a part of that growth. And then as the community grows up, the Y grows with it. I think one of the neat things that we're really excited about is uh, at the end of last year, we were fortunate to receive a $10 million gift from Mackenzie Scott. We've had a task force look at, what do you do with $10 million? How do you invest that so that it makes a meaningful impact and, and it can truly change how the Y operates? We're taking a portion of that gift to buy two mobile YMCAs. They're either going to be buses or trailers. You can imagine all branded out music where they go into communities that either have a Y um, and we go in there to celebrate field days at schools or maybe do jazz, we don't call it jazzercise anymore, but group exercise or aerobics. It could be a food distribution. We go into a community that needs food and we're handing out food out of the trailer or to go into a community that doesn't have a Y, and we come out and do youth sports or something like that. So we're really excited about getting those two. Uh, We've got a staff team working on, what does it look like now? How do we program it? But the intent with those things is they're not sitting in a parking lot. Every day they're going out somewhere doing something within a community that people get excited about, hey, here comes the Y bus. And that's, that's one of the things we're really, really looking forward to from a growth standpoint.
0: What, you, what you're really looking for is the next Kurt Hazelbaker to drive
2: these buses, am I right? <laughs> My bus driving days are done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, they don't have to worry about me driving that. I, we'll, we'll hire somebody who's a better driver than I am to do
1: there that. There you go. There you go. Well, um, for our listeners who want to, Find more out about you, Kurt, about the work or
2: the why, for sure. What are uh, are the ways that folks can can find you guys? YMCADallas is the website, and then we're on all social media, so LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, they can find us and all of that. Um, the uh, and and what people see, Sean, and you all know this because you worked with us for so long. Is that what I hear most of is I didn't know the why did that. People have a perception of the why. You know, that's where I worked out. That's where I learned to swim. That's when my kids went to camp. And when they look at the things we do around education, the safety around water I talked about, STEM, people are surprised about really the, the magnitude of the organization. And that kind of goes back to your question, Sean, about relevance, that we're providing things that the community needs that's different than when we started. We're doing it now. We may not be doing it in 10 years because there may not be a need for it, or we may have exploded in something that really proved to be a need.
1: Well, Kurt, we we appreciate you. We appreciate your staff greatly because they're just great folks to work with. And uh, we're always here to help. And uh, we are looking forward to continuing our great partnership.
2: We are as well.
1: Uh, This is Deconstructing Dallas. We'll be right back after this. Uh, Hang with us. Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. And man, it's just been really good. We're on a a, a string of great interviews, and that was some great information from a lot and a lot of great experience from Kurt Hazelbay.
0: Man, I really enjoyed talking to Kurt and uh, appreciate him uh, making some time for us. He's a good guy and he's out driving the bus. I don't think he's ever stopped driving the bus, Sean. He's just a a, a great leader and really appreciate him uh, sharing sharing his uh, time with us.
1: Well, we also want to give a a shout out to our colleague, Kristen Welsh, in our San Francisco office and all the work she does. She is the primary contact with the YMCA and uh, she does an awesome job and uh, as always pulling us into work with them. So I uh, definitely want to acknowledge the great work she does. I uh, want to acknowledge, Ryan Trimble, all the work you're doing as a recruiter. I was opening up my Twitter feed and I saw that you were, uh, you know, making, putting in a bid, I guess, for running the, the, the transfers or someone who's who's a uh, who would open their their recruiting window back up, who I uh, thought had been maybe going to TCU.
0: Yeah, Sean, if there's anything SMU-related, even tangentially on Twitter, you can count on me to tweet about it and post an SMU-related GIF. Usually the jumping up and down, uh, uh, confetti in the air interception GIF is, is kind of my go-to. It is literally the top one on my, uh, on my Twitter. But yes, I'm out recruiting. I, have, I am carrying the entire uh, group of five conferences yeah. on my back on Twitter. Uh, calling out the CF the college football, uh, don't call it a playoff. The college football invitational committee. I mean, I am, I am on a
1: ten. Apparently, Twitter the Twitter algorithm knows that I'm here for Ryan Trimble SMU content because every time <laughs> I open up my Twitter feed, it, you are at the top, and it's usually right. something that uh, right for I guess over the last week. It has had a lot to do with college football playoff, who's in, who's not. Um, you know, I, I, I won't be a broken record. I'll just say just win. But, you know, there's still a lot of exciting things going on outside of that. We've got a big a m game this weekend in Oxford with the Aggies taking on Ole Miss. You do.
0: And, and tip of the cap to your Aggies. They are playing some pretty darn good football of late. Uh, I think they're, you know, they could sneak, sneak into a peach bowl perhaps here, Sean.
1: Man, I, I was going to tell you, it's funny because you know, unfortunately, one of the main things I do starting Sunday morning is look at bowl projections and uh, mm. that habit that I have. But it's a habit I only have while NM's winning. <laughs> <When> they, <laughs> were they to lose, I probably wouldn't be on it quite as much, but I I am banking on the Peach Bowl. I think there's an outside Sugar Bowl opportunity. But I saw two projections that had the Aggies at the Fiesta Bowl. Man.
0: I I know I've told you this about a million times. We used to have Fiesta (laughs) Bowl every year growing up as kids. It was so fun. So I will hope that you get to go to to the Valley of the Sun uh, for New Year's, Sean.
1: Well, I I wanted to, to let you know again that we not only are we an award-winning podcast, but we can begin to say that we are interna- internationally recognized because I was speaking to one of our former guests, Dale Long, who had been on our podcast talking about his experience as a survivor of the 16th Street Church bombing in Birmingham, Alabama. And he had been contacted about um, you know, documenting and recounting his story to a, a group out of England. And they, part of the research that they did to get in contact with him was by listening to Dale on Deconstructing doubts.
0: Man. So cool. So cool. I love it. And uh, I love when we get to hear those stories, we were reminiscing about our, our visit with Fred Gray recently and getting to hear Dale and, I mean, there, there are a lot of great stories and it's been a pleasure to deconstruct them with you, sir.
1: Well, let us deconstruct some more episodes after this one. We've had a great, great run. Thanks to Kurt Hazelbaker, who joined us from the YMCA. Well, we look forward to continuing our relationship with the Y. We want to, as always, thank Our owners here, Allen Media, Mary Woodley, Jennifer Pascal. thank our entire team for all of the work that they do for us. Thank you to Samaji Best, who has moved in and has helped us not skip a beat. So she is helping us to put this podcast together. And we thank her for jumping in and taking on the challenge. Thanks to the entire Allen Media team. Thanks to all of our listeners, everyone who has shared this podcast with their friends. Uh, The cool thing is that we are out when we are out and about now, people are stopping us. And uh, it may sound like an exaggeration, but it's not. People are stopping us and letting us know that they are listening to this podcast. And so we thank all of you for making us something that people are listening to around town. And so please continue to share this with your family, with your friends. Give us five stars on Apple. Leave us a review. It won't hurt. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find my co-host at R Tremble R-T-R-I-M-B-L-E fifteen R T R I M B L E fifteen on Twitter. You can find me at Sean P Williams. It's a J W N P Williams. Uh, find more SMU go on Ryan's Twitter feed. Uh, so for deconstructing Dallas, this is Sean Williams or Ryan Tremble. Adios.